Welcome to our video rental store, The Discount Bin, where your favorite and most hated movies are ranked from the top shelf to, you guessed it, The Discount Bin. So go ahead, take a look around, see what you like, and we'll ring you up at cash when you're done. Hey there, welcome to The Discount Bin. My name's Kellen. I'm Tanner, what's crack a And I'm Jeffrey. And this week, we are going to be talking about one movie we love, one movie we hate, and one movie that we think is underrated. So, Tanner, would you like to start us off with your love movie? All right. Well, I would like to start off with what I would consider not only one of my favorite Marvel movies, but one of my favorite movies in general. And that is Logan. Not, and because, like, here's the deal. Logan takes Wolverine, which is, you know, known for or from the regular X-Men series. And then it just almost boosts that character with Logan, I think, personally. With the, um, giving, the giving it the R rating, I, get, I thought it gave it a lot of leeway so they can do a lot more stuff with it. And also just being able to uh touch on some darker themes that maybe the uh the older x-men movies couldn't touch on but uh i think hugh jackman is fantastic as always as wolverine um dr x done very well i think with uh him being old professor x yes why did i say dr x okay (laughs) anyway he is a doctor (laughs) he is the doctor but anyways professor x he's old now and he has these uh these episodes where he has like these um, mental overloads almost, and it affects everyone in the radius. And that I, I really like that scene where they're in the casino, and he has an episode, and everyone, um, like all the civilians and even the people that were or the uh, the agents that were hunting them down, they were all like stuck in time, except uh, Logan and uh, Laura. And I like, I thought it was so cool how they did that, but honestly, fantastic movie all all around. Uh, can't complain. One of the best Marvel movies in my opinion. Where would you put it? Oh, easy top shelf for a Mar- Honestly, for a Marvel movie, easy top shelf. For a Fox Marvel movie, easy top shelf. That's true too. Yeah. G-Money, do you have any comments? Oh my god, so many. So, I love the X-Men, and I also love the Logan movie. And I love how much it broke away from everything that the X-Men had been doing leading up to that point on screen, right? The X-Men in the comics are always very much the depiction of a minority, right? Is If it's an allegory or a stand-in for a racial minority or a, you know... uh more of a subdued minority like you know lgbt standards magneto literally coming from world war ii and being repressed as a jew and then like being brought up not only a mutant but with the resentment of being jewish from world war ii really affects him right um and logan is like the perfect culmination of all of this because not only do you have a world where people are kind of thankful that mutants are mostly gone but the ones that are left are being treated like cattle. They're being treated like less than humans, right? Mm-hmm. All of the younger generation are kids now 
right obviously but they're they're all being treated as nothing more than experiments to what were they even trying to do like were they trying to ex- like extract their dna to like create super weapons or something i don't remember but i just remember i think they... they're just trying to i think they're just trying to weaponize them okay okay that would make sense too but i just remember like you know the the whole point of the movie is getting these kids to canada getting them to safety and you get to follow logan or a wolverine who's already way past his prime who saw so many of his friends die and wants to move on but is still stuck living in the past and caring for professor x and you know doing everything that he can and i don't think it's until he meets laura that he's really able to accept that his time is up and that he needs to push for the future as opposed to living with you know just moving forward like he's done for almost 100 years fantastic movie i'm with tanner it is easy top shelf it is a good one all right um i'm just gonna come out and say it fuck this movie no fuck Um, this dude sucks fuck this movie fuck the fox marvel movies fuck fucking what hugh jackman and his fucking stupid annoying fucking character of wolverine uh i fucking hate this movie i hate this movie like i hate all the fox marvel movies i just they're so fucking boring nothing happens like don't get me wrong i i recognize stuff happens i just don't fucking care because the characters are so edgy and moody and dark and uh that like i i i have never seen a single fox x-men movie that i have been able to sit through the entire way i've never seen hugh jackman portray the character wolverine in a way that i went yes this makes me want to keep watching i fucking hate the fox marvel x-men movies they suck they're boring they're too long even though they aren't actually that long they fucking feel like they're so long um i will come out and straight up say i never actually saw logan uh, I think the last X-Men movie that I saw was the one where he goes back to Japan or whatever. Oh, my God. The old Japanese Bro, dude. come on. That movie sucked. Of course it sucked. All the other yeah. movies sucked. The ones where they're younger and they're in the past, those movies sucked. They weren't younger. Um, it was a new timeline. Oh, my. I don't give even the slightest fuck, bro. I don't even give the slightest fuck. Fuck that movie. I'll recognize that other people like it enough to give it a middle shelf rating, but uh, I, I hated those movies, and I have absolutely zero bad feelings for saying it. Fuck that movie. Fuck the Fox Marvel X-Men movies. Um, G-Money, please present your loved movie. First off, I cannot <laughs> believe how wrong you are in this. <laughs> it honestly blows me away x-men movies have had their moments you know they've they've done angel dirty and i hate them for it but these movies are good and you need to all i have to say is look what they did to deadpool okay what that was an executive decision that was not fucking brian singer going yeah you know what let's put a muzzle on him that was the executives (laughs) going we cannot let this be an r-rated movie oh my god Anyway, my favorite movie, at least the one that I picked for this, is a movie that I have been obsessed with since it came out. It's Baby Driver, Edgar Wright's best film. I have the 
largest like director hard on for Edgar Wright films. He is such a masterful cameraman. I love everything about this movie. I love the way it's shot. I love the sound design. I love the actors that aren't problematic. That aren't everything is just perfect in <laughs> this right. movie. Yeah, that aren't, that that aren't problematic. problematic if huh? you're, okay. Yeah, if if you're if you're Ansel Elgore or whatever the fuck your name is, and you're Kevin Spacey, you're not good. Everyone else, top shelf. <laughs> but like, if so, okay. So, anytime I want to talk to someone about this movie who hasn't seen it, I literally open YouTube and show them the opening scene of this movie, the mm-hmm. the original like the bell bottom scene. Because that is more than enough to not only like captivate an audience, but give a perfect idea of the movie that you're getting yourself into. You might as well that the whole shot is just it might as well be the music video for Bell Bottoms because it just works so well because Edgar Wright shot the movie to be like in time with the music down to the beat down to everything that's happening. And oh, my God, I love it so much. I love there there are so many perfect moments to this every single set piece feels alive everything feels lived in you believe that every character is a part of this small uh i think it's in atlanta a small part of atlanta and oh my god no i could just keep going on it's this is like top shelf if i could put it any higher i would here here's my thing i i completely agree with you g money Love Baby Driver. The scene where he's going to get coffee. This is this is the scene that when I think of Baby Driver, I think of this scene. Where he's going to get coffee and he's listening to music in his earbuds. And as he's walking down the street, the the lyrics of the song that he's listening to uh appears on like as like graffiti on, on the walls of buildings or as like a a sticker or a paper on a pole. I, I always thought that was genius. Yeah. I thought it was so cool how they did that. And um, even when the uh, when they have that shootout at the end, uh, or near the end of the movie, and they have the shots of the... To tequila? Uh, tequila, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, um, they have the, the, the shots of the, of the gun matching with the beat. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Honestly, oh my god, such a... Okay, so since you brought up that coffee scene, because I always forget about this, but I love it. It's such a little thing that you can miss. So, Baby goes into the coffee shop, he's listening to the music, and you can hear the singer go, yeah, 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 in the background, as Baby gets up to order, and the guy's like, are you ready to order, right? And then Baby just mouths, yeah, 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 in time with the music, right? So he walks in, and... You can see the mural across the street is, uh, I think it's like a rainbow with a black heart in the middle. And then Baby turns around after he's inside the coffee shop and he sees the the love interest, uh, Lily James, I think, uh, walk across the screen. And then as soon as it cuts back, like the, the camera pans back around to the mural, the heart is red right after that scene. And it's just like a subtle indication, like Baby saw the girl, he's obsessed with her, he loves her. And then boom everything's different now the rest of that scene is all jumbled up he's no longer listening to the music he's too busy trying to find this girl and it's throwing him off beat which is why he almost gets hit by a car and why he just keeps walking into people i never noticed that actually i never noticed the the heart changing colors it's such a little thing like honestly even in your first like watch through of this movie it's not something that you would pick up on 
Uh, another really cool thing, this is the sound design. It's got, uh, was it, stereoscopic 3D? So when any scene that has Baby as the focal point, there's a ringing in the background of the scene. Really? So you can hear like the tinnitus that he has. And when he's listening to music, if he has headphones in, if he takes a headphone out and you're watching the movie with headphones, you'll stop hearing the music in the earphone that he took out. Well, I guess I'm going to have to watch Baby Trevor with headphones. Absolutely. Kellen, I can't wait for you to show. Let's on go. This. So here's the thing, right? Yeah, you're already Kellen, you're already wrong. No, I'm totally I'm totally I'm totally fucking with both of you. I've never okay. seen Baby Driver. Um That needs to change. I've never heard of Baby Driver. That needs to that's change. That's a bigger um, that's, that yeah, that's So a okay, problem. so here's something I need to break to you guys that uh, I also want to break to anyone listening to this and going, Kellen, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, when it comes to movies, up until about two years ago, I would tell people I didn't have the attention span for movies, so I never watched them. And then what got me into it, uh, because I'm stupid, was <laughs> shitty 80s action movies. So if your movie has been made, um, anywhere between the year 2005 and this year, I've either heard about it because it's bad Heard about it because it was in a YouTube ad, or I haven't heard about it. So, Baby Driver, never heard of it. I don't even know if it's in between the time span I gave. For all I know, it's from 1976. Um, 2017. There you go. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Can't give a ranking. I'll take your guys' opinions on it, and uh, I would be fine with putting this top shelf. After it's an this abs- podcast, and I, like, I want everyone, I want anyone who hears this to immediately just... Go flame Kellen. Find him on every social media and just ruin <laughs> My it. Twitter, plugging myself here, my Twitter is at punk of the year underscore K. You can find me on Instagram at punk of the year underscore Kellen. Uh, I will take all opinions and tell you you're wrong and say fuck. So after lot. this podcast, we are immediately just going to stream Baby Driver together. <laughs> I don't know about Fantastic that. Fantastic idea. All right, um, Kellen. That was funny. <laughs> the echo. Um, uh, so my pick is actually a Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, Ghibli, Ghibli. I don't know. I've heard both fucking pronunciations. I, I say Ghibli because there's an H next to it. But Ghibli. Um, so before I get into the movie I picked, I would like to preface this by saying I don't like anime. I don't watch Naruto. I don't watch One Piece. I don't read manga. I've watched Dragon Ball Z, which was banging, and I've watched Studio Ghibli movies. The rest of it isn't for me. So, I hadn't seen this movie until probably two or three weeks ago, and I'm so glad I did, because it's probably my favorite Studio Ghibli movie now. Uh, and that is Howl's Moving Castle. Um, just so many things I love about Howl's Moving Castle. Um, for one, the voice of Howl, which I didn't know till after I watched it twice, is fucking Christian Bale. What the fuck? Um, the movie came out in 2004, too, so this is, like, right before he did Dark Knight. I just find that so funny that he went from, like, an anime movie about finding love to fucking Batman. But Howl's Moving Castle follows a girl named Sophie who, uh, through pure chance, runs into the wi- a wizard named Howl and then gets cursed 
by the Witch of the Waste, who's this witch who's in love with Howell, and turns her into a 90-year-old woman. So it's like all about her trying to uh, break her curse. And she meets Howell, she meets the fire demon Calcifer, who keeps his castle moving, and her agreement with Calcifer is that if she can break the spell between he and Howell, then uh, he will break her curse. And, I don't know, it's just... I've put it as, I find in movies nowadays, the happy endings, if you even get one, are always compromised. It'll always be, well, this character died, or these characters died, or this part of the plot went terrible, or something always compromises that feel-good ending. I almost said field. Feel-good ending. Um... And with Studio Ghibli movies, especially this one, I feel like there's no compromise. It's just what you want to happen happens. Um, it's an emotional roller coaster. I will say I've only ever cried to three movies, and this was one of them. Uh, it has unforgettable quotes like, I don't see a point in living if I can't be beautiful. Which, wow, me. Um, <laughs> Just, yeah, like, it's a great movie. If you're big into Studio Ghibli and this is the one movie you haven't seen, I think it's one of the best. Um, I wouldn't necessarily put it over Spirited Away, but it does have that higher uh, ranking animation than their movies from the 80s and 90s. It has a star-studded cast, like I said, Christian Bale, and a few others whose names I'm unfortunately forgetting. Um, It's just a real feel-good movie, and I feel like if you watch it, You'll you're guaranteed to have a good time. So, so I want to ask: Do you think yeah. that the reason that it's such a feel-good movie and that you don't feel like it's compromised by anything like more modern movies are is because it's a product of its time, like late '90s, early 2000s? I feel like there's two reasons for it. For one, it is an animated kids movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's an animated hold on, hold kids on. movie. Do of you, course, they're going to go. Do you really think that it's a kids movie? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I absolutely think it's a kids' movie. It's a Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, there's no cursing in it. Unlike Spirited Away, it's not, like, minorly terrifying. <laughs> um, like, if I watched Spirited Away as a kid, Jesus Christ, that movie would have scared the fuck out of me. Um, but no, like, it, it's genuinely just a feel-good movie. There's a lot of genuinely funny m- moments. It's I, I think what it is at its worst... Um, is one of those family movies where maybe they hide a few adult jokes in there somewhere. Right. Um, That's I would say the there are though. like, yeah. And I would say there are a few jokes like that. Um, but no, this is absolutely a kid's movie. Um, and I feel like, I don't think the reason it has a no compromise, happy ending is because it's a product of its time. I feel like we're just in an era of film where script writers and movie directors don't like the ending of a movie unless they throw in an unnecessary twist. And I'm not saying every twist is unnecessary, but I just find a lot of the modern movies I've watched in the last five years, if the ending is compromised, it's typically not needed. Like, someone dies who didn't need to. They just died because of the shock value. Or The term you're looking for is uh, subverting your expectations, which is overly used now in cinema. Yeah, Facts. absolutely. So, I don't think it's that this movie's in a fixture of its time. I just think that every modern movie is stuck 
in our time where instead of just giving us the happy ending to send everyone home, because like, I don't know, this this will lead me into a totally separate rant, but I just feel like with a lot of modern movies, they know that they have a weak plot, but because they're, if, if you have a weak plot and you're a kid's movie, that's fine. Like, kids don't know. But, and I'm not saying Howl's Moving Castle has a weak plot. I actually think it has a very, very strong plot that's held up phenomenally. But if you have a weak plot and you're an adult movie, people just aren't going to watch your fucking movie. So what do they do instead? They hire the biggest actors, they put in a shit ton of money towards production, and then they make sure to include a stupid fucking twist. That way people are talking about it. It makes for boring, dull films. Howl's Moving Castle is not boring and dull. If you watch it, it's full of bright colors. It'll make you happy. It'll put a smile on your face. And I think it is an excellent, easy top shelf. I'm going to take your word on that. And I'll watch it. I think you should. I really think anyone who hasn't seen it should. It's a very feel-good movie. Obviously, I will prefix this with this. I am a highly emotional person, um, and there are just personal things that I won't really get into that I get out of this movie that others necessarily might not, um, but I do still think, like, you might watch this movie and you might think it's a middle shelf, and that's fine. Um, for me personally, I, I would just easily put this as a top shelf. Okay. I will not see I'm with Tanner, right? I haven't seen the movie. I know all about Studio Ghibli films and I know the not necessarily like the hype that comes from them, but the the star quality that you get, right? Like it's it's not like a, a film that's just being churned out because they can churn it out. And it's been on the back burner for things I really need to watch. Here's the difference. I know nothing about Studio Ghibli movies. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um I would I would try to describe Studio Ghibli movies to you, but each one is so different from the other that, mm. like, I can't. Basically, if you like feel-good stories with very bright, colorful characters and a lot of Japanese influence, okay. they're for you. That's pretty much all I can say. All right. With that said, uh, we've been ranting about fucking Howl's Moving Castle for, like, ten minutes now. <laughs> Tanner, why don't you tell us uh, a movie that you think uh, is absolute dog shit? Oh, right. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I started off by, by bringing up Logan as a movie that I really like. I'm going yeah. gonna to bring up a, a Fox Marvel movie that is the absolute bare bottom opposite of Logan. <laughs> Fantastic Four, the 2015 one. Oof. Fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, yeah. Okay, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Really quick, I just want to say, when that movie came out, it came out at the same time, if not the same day, that Ant-Man did. And I remember did thinking it? that it was going to be better than Ant-Man. Boy, Ooh. that could you couldn't have been more wrong. I right, know. So yeah, Fantastic Four. Doo-doo fart, okay? <laughs> so... <laughs> Like, I've never been so bored watching a Marvel movie. Even, like, uh, if I'm just going to keep on the, the train of Fox Marvel movies, um, X-Men Apocalypse. I was more entertained by that movie than Fantastic Four. And Apocalypse isn't that good. Fantastic uh, Four. Like, paper-thin characters. 
Okay. Um, literally nothing happens in it. All I can remember is that this is the plot. They go to this different dimension. I think they touch some green goo. Oh, no. This one dude touches some green goo, and he becomes like Dr. Um, what's his name? Uh, Dr. Doom. Do- Dr. Doom, yeah. He becomes, do- becomes Dr. Doom. And then the rest of them, I actually can't remember how they ended up with their powers. But it's stupid. Uh, oh, okay, So they're it. all, it, I don't remember if it's a dimension or a planet, but like wherever they are, right? The, they have their, their space carrier, whatever that brought them there. And uh, they were all interacting with the planet and they all wanted to leave in a hurry for some reason. Um, so Ben Grimm's ship got compromised by a bunch of rocks like forming around it, which is how he became the thing. Um, Reed Richards' ship got like flung out or like I don't remember something was happening to him and it made him you know all stretchy Uh, Michael B. Jordan the Human Torch his ship caught on fire and then fucking Susan Storm uh, I don't know light refraction you know like whatever it was it was just like the most bare bones way to be like uh, he moved fast, so he'd get stretchy powers. <laughs> yeah. He also, on fire, now he fire. Also, can we talk about uh, the final scene where they're fighting Dr. Doom, and he's got, like, that classic, you know, superhero movie trope where there's this big light in the sky. Yeah. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I can remember Michael B. Jordan as the Human Torch does jack shit, does nothing, a rock gets thrown on him, and he stays there for the entire fight. So what? I know, it was stupid. You know, that's so unfortunate. I love Michael B. Jordan. He's such a good actor. That's true. It's just that the characters didn't do anything throughout the entire movie. Nothing happened. Did you ever see... Did you ever see any of the promotional material for that movie? Like, any of the actors talking about it? No. Oh my god. Go back and look for it. It's awful. They're all... What? Like, none of them know what's going on in the movie. They're just like, <laughs> we sure were in this. It's like they're being held at gunpoint, like say this say this movie's good okay so here's my thing with those movies right but we know this is gonna be i don't know you don't like them it's gonna be like i fucking love fans no 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 no, no. god no god (laughs) (laughs) no but i will say this about this movie um which obviously i will also clarify this does go for logan as well it goes for all the x-men um fox movies um but I just want to say this one specifically for this movie. I can kind of see where they're going. I could kind of see where they wanted to go with this movie. And then they tried to do it. And about halfway through, got drunk, <laughs> pissed their pants, <laughs> fell over, and drowned in a puddle. Like, this movie was so bad. So I rarely go to see movies in the theater. Um, like I said earlier, like I barely ever see modern day movies and I forget why, but a buddy of mine really wanted to see this. Um, so we end up going and we get like, we showed up early because he's like a big fan of fantastic four comics and he really didn't like those earlier two thousands movies. So we go and I only went because he was like, Hey, want to come to a movie with me? I hate going alone. And I was like, whatever. So we go. And we sit down, 
And I think we maybe lasted 35 minutes before he looked at me and he was like, we're getting the fuck out of here. Dude, it's terrible. Like, that movie stunk. It's that movie stunk so I, fucking it, it bad. Did. Dude, it did. the movie was so bad, I could smell it from the screen. <laughs> okay? It was shit. Not only does that... That movie doesn't even belong in the discount bin. Yeah. I would put that one firmly down it the goes, garbage chute. It goes chute. in the garbage chute. It goes out the back window. It's it's in the garbage truck at this point. It it honestly should not have existed at all. No, okay. No. It was an easy cash um, grab. Here's thought. the thing. Absolutely, and that's the whole reason that they made it, right? Fox wanted to hold on to the Fantastic Four property, and me being someone who grew up with the Fantastic Four, both the live action movies that were okay with uh, Chris Evans, and the animated series that played on. I like how that's the only channel. actor we remember from those movies. I'm pretty sure he's the only actor who still matters. So That's we got true. we got Chris Evans. Um, There's like five other actors in that movie. It, yeah, we got Chris <laughs> Evans. No one cares about the other uh, ones. Okay, so here's what I remember from Fantastic Four. There was a bunch of drama around the movie being produced. The original director dropped out, and then a second director had to come and pick it up. So if I remember correctly, the original director and the guy who wrote the screenplay was Josh Trank, who, if you don't know, is the guy who wrote Chronicle, which is also one of my favorite movies. It's a nice little, like, not independent film, but, like, smaller Sony film about three friends who find a meteorite. Uh, incidentally enough, all get superpowers and need to find a way to control their powers. It's it's a very good, like, just not superhero, but superpowered movie. And I feel like his original idea for what the Fantastic Four was could have been very similar to Chronicle, where, you know, the Fantastic Four now have these powers and they're able to use them, but they don't necessarily need to be superheroes. But he dropped out due to uh, stress from the studio and, like, people breathing down his neck to make sure that it was very cookie-cutter. And instead, from what I'm looking up, because I just pulled up IMDb, we got Steven Rivkin who was an editor for Avatar and all of the Pirates of the Caribbean's movies, a bunch of other things. I say this with all respect to that man. Who? Yeah. Just like... Who the fuck <laughs> is that guy? He... I'm assuming he's the guy that Fox was able to push into the studio and be like, make what we want. <laughs> yeah. Gun to the back of his head. Do it. And but, I feel but this for film's him. gonna be bad, and Fox was just there, like we don't care, do it or we pull the trigger. I do remember when Fan Four Stick came out, and I remember Josh Trank going ham on Twitter because he was furious that he was let go, and he was furious that the movie that he wanted to get created and the movie that originally got greenlit was essentially pissed on and thrown into the trash. Fan Four Stick could have been great, and instead we got the world's ugliest Doctor Doom cosplay. It was so bad. Also, doesn't he not show up to like the last twenty minutes of the movie? Like you don't yeah, know what's going does. on. <laughs> I swear, I remember because I watched this movie when it was like uh, on TV, right. and even then I wanted my money back. But <laughs> um, I remember like they get to the final fight, and Doctor Doom's got that trope of this the light in the sky and he just he fights them like they're a bunch of children for like i don't know what 15 20 minutes yeah and then i think the like the the thing he does like that does he say that classic line where he's like it's clobbering time does he say that i can't remember i honestly don't even remember 
I just remember like he runs up and he punches Doctor Doom and he goes flying into the uh, into the the light that's in the sky, and then like dis- disintegrates, and then it goes it like screen goes black I guess, and then they just show up at the um, at like an Avengers style headquarters, and they're like <laughs> we're the Fantastic Four and, and yeah, then and the movie oh just ends. God. It was like such a such a poorly done green screen too, where they're like leaning yeah. over nothing, <laughs> yeah. and they're like. It it might as well have been a a fucking Fast and the Furious movie. They're like, we're ah. a family now. We're family. We're family. Yeah. Fantastic Four 2015 under the discount bin and the garbage can. Get it out of here. Yep. Yep. Putting it down in the in the garbage chute. Absolute trash. What's uh? What's your pick for a movie you hate? G Money. Oh my god. So, this is apparently just not a well known movie. Which I'm kind of thankful for because, like, this movie's trash. Um, let me just say, I love Robin Williams, and I love just about everything he's ever done. And from what I remember, this is one of the last movies that he ever did. This is called World's Greatest Dad, and I fucking hate this movie so much. It, it, uh, it hurts to talk about. This movie is essentially uh, Robin Williams playing a, a dad, poet, teacher whose son is in high school. His son is played by uh, the kid from Spy Kids, uh, Junie or Juno or whatever. A little ginger kid uh, who's ginger a 16-year-old who is absolutely obsessed with porn. And that's really relevant for the movie because this kid or high school student, whatever, uh, he is a complete and total degenerate. He is unpopular, he's unfunny, he's uncool, and he's just obsessed with weird porn. And he has a scene where he's talking to one of his friends about, like, weird German dungeon porn that he found, okay? Bruh. I wish I was just bringing this up as a random thing that happens in the movie. No, the kid goes home, ties his neck... To the bedpost and is jerking off to porn while choking himself uh, out and he dies what bro come on <laughs> excuse me he kills himself accidentally because he slips off the bed and he can't untie the 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 knot bro, okay here, here's my here's my biggest problem with this already robin williams agreed to be in this film <laughs> yeah that's pain. So, so that pain. is pain. This is how I need to get this across because the whole point of the movie is that Robin Williams' character, the poet teacher, fakes his son's suicide note as this very dramatic, sad, poetic piece to make it seem like his son wasn't such a weirdo and wasn't such a, like, just to make him look like he was a damaged soul. And the the other big thing about Robin Williams' character is that, you know, he's a he's a failed writer, right? Which is why he just does like he teaches poetry. So when he, after like the funeral and everything, his son's suicide note starts picking up traction and getting like really well, uh, published. So, Robin Williams is using his dead son, as a pseudonym for him being able to like put out his own work and 
I had already checked out at this point. I was already so done with this movie, but I, I stuck it out till the end. And from what I remember, the movie ends with him admitting that this was all staged. He did all of it. This movie's absolute dog shit. I, I hate this so much. I hate Robin Williams' character in this. I really hate how uncomfortable I was watching a teenager choke to death while trying to get off. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> if before this recording, you had told me Robin Williams took part in the movie where one of the major plot points was his son dies from accidentally choking to death while trying to jerk off. I would have told you to go fuck yourself because there's no way I would have believed you. I don't think this deserves to be like, I know this is our debut episode and I'm really trying to be like, haha, discount bin because it's the name. But no, throw that shit so far into the pits of the garbage pile hell. I never want to hear that movie again. No, I never want to hear about it ever again. That sounds awful. I'm I'm reading some of the reception for it. Well, my life was so much better like 10 minutes ago before I knew that existed. <laughs> I, I want to go Look, back. I've been living with this pain for like six years and I've never gotten to talk to anyone about this movie. Uh, I like, some of the feel reception. bad for you. I like <laughs> after seeing that movie. I think that's all the reason you need to get a doctor's referral for therapy. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, th like this movie is why I'm depressed. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> no other reasons. All right. So here's here's some of the here's some of the tidbits for this film. Okay, it had a budget of ten million dollars. What? At the box office. Uh. It made two hundred and ninety-five thousand. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Talk about a flop. So reception. Oh. World's greatest ad received praise despite tanking at the box office. As of June twenty twenty, it holds an eighty-eight percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, based on hundred and eighteen reviews, with an average rating of six point nine three. Uh, with the critical consensus, World's Greatest Dad is a risky, deadpan, dark comedy that effectively explores the nature of posthumous cults of celebrity. The film also holds a score of 69 out of 100 on Metacritic, based on 24 critics, indicating uh, generally favorable reviews. I fucking hate that. I hate that anyone saw this movie and went, wow, this is really beautiful. I love this. <laughs> Fuck Bro, you're, you. You're kidding yourself. That's not what really happened. What really happened was every single movie critic on Earth made a pledge with one another <laughs> to give the movie about a son joking to death while jerking off a score of 69. <laughs> That's what happened. They were all like, guys, this is the perfect movie to do this for. And everyone was just like, you know what? This guy's on to something. Give it a 69. We are not as nice. We're not doing this for the humor. Chuck that shit into the pits of hell in the garbage chute. And with that, Kellen, let us hear yours. <sighs> Sigh. I didn't want to remember. I didn't want to remember this movie. I really didn't. You know, growing up as a kid with ADHD, it took a lot to get me to pay attention to a movie. Like, a lot. And a lot of that a lot can be found in 80s movies, like I mentioned earlier. But no movies really caught my eye as much as Indiana Jones. Which is why Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull can go fuck itself. I 
I fuck. Oh, why? 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 Who in the year of our Lord, 2012, or whenever this dog shit piece of fucking garbage movie came out, went, yo, what if we got like 70 year old Harrison Ford and made him Indiana Jones again, and also Shia LaBeouf is in it because LOL, and all of it CGI'd because we hate movies? And someone went, yeah, that sounds good. Steven Spielberg, that sounds good to you? And Steven Spielberg said, yes! Like, what do you mean, yes? No! No! I... Oh. Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull ruined my life. It ruined my life. Because Indiana Jones, his whole coolness as a character is that he's an able-bodied but regular average Joe who can kick ass. I'm sorry, and I get that literally every Indiana Jones movie has had some supernatural fucking parts of it. Like, the very first movie, people's faces melt because of ghosts and the power of God. But who in the Sam fuck went, what if we took Indiana Jones, paired him up with Greaser Shia LaBeouf, and sent them to the Mayan ruins to go meet some aliens? Fuck this movie. I, I hate that there are people out there who try and defend this dog shit movie. Steven Spielberg, you act like you've created worse films than this when you haven't. Fuck this movie. Fuck everyone who's involved in this movie. Fuck Shia LaBeouf because I love Shia LaBeouf and I know he's a better actor than he did in this dog shit piece of garbage doo-doo <laughs> caca dog piss movie. Okay, fuck it. Fuck the ant scene that added nothing. It was just an excuse for them to go, look, ants are going into a dude's mouth. You want to know how lame this fucking movie is? In other Indiana Jones movies, there were senses of danger. Yes, I get that in Temple of Doom, there was the whole fucking roller coaster mine cart scene that was kind of dumb. But you know what they did in fucking Indiana Jones and, and the Crystal Skull? They made it so that the Russian enemies threw a monkey over a cliff and the monkey didn't even die. If a monkey survives, how am I supposed to be expected to believe that Indiana Jones is in any kind of danger? Fuck this movie. It sucked to watch. If you liked it, you're dumb. You should hate yourself. Shoot this garbage dog shit movie into the discount bin because I will admit that it's better than the two movies that we sent into the fiery pits of hell. And allow, that's the only reason. Allow me to introduce myself. I've if never like seen movie. any Indiana Jones movie except for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I saw it I when it you. came out. I know. Uh, look, look, look. I didn't grow up with a lot of vintage movies. If they came up on TV, I would watch them. I know I've seen bits and pieces of each Indiana Jones movie, but because I was a dumb kid and didn't like the like real life movies, I only wanted cartoons until I was like thirteen. Okay, I'd like put them on, be like, oh, "There's too much going on. It's boring. I don't like it. I'm gonna watch The Mummy with Nathan Fillion." I didn't sit through them, but the, the the new one that came out, it had so much like hype around it, like a bunch of my friends were going to go see it, so I went to go see it, and I thought it was okay. Looking back on it, I haven't seen it since it came out, and I think it was like 11 when it came out. I don't think I want to go back because of like how negative everyone is towards it. Um, the scene with all the bugs crawling on people really creeped me out. I don't understand. Yeah, the ant scene. Yeah. The ant scene that added nothing to the plot and was just an excuse for them to go, big spooky ant people yeah. eat the people. <laughs> um, 
I okay. I do remember being like impressed by the visuals near the end where the the I don't even remember the the girl was like I want to know everything and then her brain just keeps getting like bigger and bigger because like, yeah when they blow her up yeah the aliens just like <laughs> the aliens are just like I bet here's your knowledge you want to know everything here's everything I thought that was pretty cool you think this is it's about Do you it. guys think this is the movie where uh, where Harrison Ford started just taking movie casts or movie roles for the money? Bro, Harrison Ford started doing that in the 90s. Fuck you talking about. Like, I love <laughs> okay. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford stars in many of my all-time favorite movies, including my number one favorite movie, Blade Runner. But Harrison Ford started doing movies solely for the paycheck, like, long before this movie, my friend. Here's my here's the one thing I'll say about this movie that I find different than every other movie of its era including now. The 80s has a very distinct look and that's because of the use of Technicolor. All of the colors are bright and popping and in your face. Like you watch an 80s movie and you know it's an 80s movie because of that look. And they did a really good job of creating a modern equivalent to that with this movie. And that is the only nice thing I can bring myself to say about this dog shit fucking movie. Everyone involved with this movie should feel bad and should, like, rue the day that they read this script and went, yeah, they're paying me enough to be in this. Fuck this movie. I hate this movie. I can completely agree. One of the worst movies I've seen. The worst Indiana Jones movie. One of the worst uh, movies starring Harrison Ford, yep, I would argue. Absolutely. It's one of the yeah, best Harrison Ford movies I've ever seen. I'm putting it in the discount bin. It's out of here. It's going. It's in the discount bin. Yes, sir. All right, Tanner. Let us know a movie <sighs> that you believe is underrated. All right. Now, this one's big old nostalgia trip for you, boy. So, Transformers the movie... All right. No, 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 no. You're not. Hold on. You're probably thinking of the 2007 Michael Bay one. I am. <laughs> Hence my yeah. vomit. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1986, the, the animated movie. Okay. Okay. This one is such a classic for me. Bro, I remember watching this movie with my buddy. We'd watch it all the time. It was probably, I want to argue, it was probably my introduction to the Transformers. And I've always thought it was... It was great as like a, not only as like a, a Transformers movie. I don't think I've liked a, uh, an animated Transformers movie more than this original one. Um, it has, you know, all the classic cast from the original show. Um, you know, the classic voice of Optimus Prime. But it also brought in some new characters like Hot Rod. Um, it brought in... Uh, the the kid now uh, Spike's son, and they get a, and him and uh, Spike's son and Hot Rod they have like this uh, this mutual friendship, and let me tell you something here, I'm gonna subvert from going about the plot. This was the first movie that introduced me to uh, to the word shit, <laughs> and for a move a children's movie, that's kind of a, a children's animated movie. That's kind of a big deal. I just remember. Uh, Spike's dad, or no, no, just Spike. 
and he's with Bumblebee, and he's watching Unicron, the big um, planet mo- uh, transformer. Mm-hmm. And basically, Unicron eats different to gain power. He eats planets, and they're just watching Unicron eat this planet. And he just, and Spike just goes, "Oh shit!" And I was <laughs> I rem- <laughs> and I just remember watching that as a as an almost an infant, and I was like, "Yeah, that's funny." <laughs> but man, some of like some of the characters, how they did them in this movie, some of the deaths absolutely rocked me to my core. Killing off Optimus Prime. Okay, wait, hold on. Is this the movie what? where Starscreen is like constantly mumbling all throughout just because of like a really shitty, like, uh, uh I don't know. I don't want to say like microphone, but like he just really poorly dubbed all of his lines. Oh no, it sounds as as classic Starscream as can get as Starscream can get. Okay. Um, but yeah, and they kill these kill off Starscream too, good, which was crazy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, the killing off Optimus Prime shook me to my soul. Um, Megatron becoming Galvatron was one of the craziest things I saw as a kid. Um, and they kill off Ultra Magnus, uh, the whole AllSpark thing, and then Hot Rod gets the gets the AllSpark at the end, and he becomes like the new Prime uh, in place of Optimus. I could argue that maybe they could have just stuck with maybe maybe just stuck with the with um with Ultra Magnus because hey I don't know that might just be me looking back as a child and being like uh oh, Ultra Magnus he's like Optimus Prime but a little less cool <laughs> and then uh you know Hot Rod becomes Rodimus Prime and he's like uh what's the saying they're like all for one and one for all or something anyways Still love it. I think it's an underrated classic of the past. I think when people think of Transformers, I think more people should think of this Transformers instead of the uh, the Michael the Bayverse Transformers because those are made up by explosions and quirky one lines. <laughs> it's Thank actually you. so funny that this is your choice for an underrated movie because I was very tempted to bring up the Michael Bay Transformers movies for my movie I hated. Okay. Um, I've never seen this movie, so I'll, I'll take your word for it. I I think that I have. I know I watched the Transformers series growing up because we always had like the uh, like Teletoon Retro before it was Teletoon Retro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember like seeing Transformers as a kid, as a kid, and like Beast Wars and stuff. And I know for a fact that when the second that I saw Galvatron, I was like, Leonard Nimoy voiced him. Like, I just knew that just from That's, voice. I was like, yeah. I recognize him and him speaking. So I, I went and I uh, pulled it up on IMDb and I was right. It is Leonard Nimoy. And weirder than that, I think, is uh, where did it go? Unicron is voiced by Orson Welles, the guy who did uh, World of wow. War. Or fucking War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. That actually is crazy. Also... This this movie introduced me to the song um, "The Touch" by Stan Bush. Goddamn slapper of the song, <laughs> dude. The scene the scene where Optimus Prime uh, goes into the city when the Decepticons are are uh, are taking over, and he just goes and he wrecks ass, 
and he does like a bunch <laughs> of flips and he starts like headshotting them one by one. He go he like straight up road kills one of them. It was sick. 80s movies, good 100% of the time. <laughs> so where are you putting it? I'm assuming top shelf. Yeah, yeah. Absolute top shelf, underrated classic. If you like the Transformers, it's a one for you. All right. G Money, what's your pick for an uh, underrated movie? I feel like this is more of a hot take, which is usually not my kind of thing. But, like, I really like this movie. Uh, my okay. my underrated film is Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Um, I saw the movie before I read any of the books. So I didn't have any preconceived idea of what I should be getting myself into. This film is directed by Chris Columbus, who, if you didn't know, is the guy who fought, uh, filmed the original three Harry Potter movies. And I think he's very good at adapting things that need to be adapted from paper to cinema, to screen. Um, I think that this movie has a really great cast, which is never enough to save a movie. But I think it was a very good starting point. Uh, I don't know. It, like, this is a fun movie. I really like the the drama that's put into it and like their urgency that you feel following uh Percy and Grover and girl, I don't remember her name. Uh Okay. So <clears throat> as someone who did go and read the books afterwards and then like I've watched the movies a few times since Sea of Monsters is something else. I don't want to talk about that. That's a discussion <laughs> for a bad movie. Um I know that these characters are not exactly accurate to how they're portrayed in the books, but that's okay because I don't think that every adaptation needs to be 100% faithful. If it was, there'd be no reason to have it. Sometimes characters need to be changed in order to fit better for, you know, like an, an hour and a half, a two hour film, whatever. It just makes it easier to give them a, a character arc in a shorter period of time. And the perfect example for that is Grover. Grover, yeah, I'm assuming, have you guys seen Percy Jackson? I have not. So, Kellen? I, like, I know I've seen it. Okay. Do I remember anything about it other than I'm 99% sure I fell asleep halfway through? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, here's my thing that I was going to say. I also have never read the books. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure I maybe only saw the first movie of these. I just didn't care. I never thought it was a very cool concept to have some kid, what is it, Greek mythology? Have, yes. like, Greek god powers or whatever. And I love Greek mythology. Well, he's a demigod, right? He's the son of Poseidon. Yeah, it just, for me, I never found it all that interesting. I'd rather just hear a story or watch a movie or read a book about fucking Poseidon than about the demigod son of Poseidon. Okay. Um... So I remember very, very brief things. Like, I couldn't even describe the scenes to you, but I know I've seen parts of this movie. Um, I mm -hmm. thought it was boring. I thought it was very boring. Okay. Um, a lot of why this is in my underrated classic. Uh, it, okay. Man, I, first off, great cast. Uh, all of the adults in this movies are like really well-established actors and actresses. You've got Uma Thurman and Sean Bean and Pierce Brosnan, which is just like fantastic to see them all on screen, even though they barely talk to each other. But as far as taking a Greek mythology, and like I know this is already like from the book, so half the battle was already there. 
But just getting to see these characters kind of follow an Odyssey style format where they're going from start to finish and you really just get to see how their hero's journey is evolving throughout the film, which I know should be every film, but they really note it in this. They're like, you are a demigod. You literally have to follow this tale, right? Like you are expected to become a part of Greek mythology just in modern day. It's fantastic. So you get to see the trials that Percy and girl and Grover are going through to you know, find the lightning thief and find the lightning bolt and stop the war of the gods from happening. And you get it. It's basically just a buddy film across America with three teenagers that are also connected to Greek mythology in the United States. It's, it's just a fun movie to watch by itself. As long as you can differentiate it from the book. High middle shelf. All right, I can respect that. Annabeth, that's her name. <laughs> Before I do uh, my movie that's my actual pick, I just want to give a quick shout-out because I couldn't actually pick between these movies till about five seconds ago. Quick shout-out to the animated movie Cats Don't Dance. Um, the only reason I say it's underrated is because a lot of people haven't heard of it. It's a classic 90s animated musical, really good. I watched it so much as a kid that I actually wore the tape out on the VHS. Um, I'll probably go more in depth about it on one of these episodes. But yeah, go watch it. Now for my actual pick. So, the Star Wars prequels. They get a lot of hate. Especially from boomers. (laughs) Which is funny, because boomers also like the modern movies, which... (laughs) Bad. But... There is a specific prequel that I think has absolutely no right to be shit on in any regard. And that's episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith is fucking amazing. Okay? Emphasis on the fucking... It's fucking amazing. First of all, it has the best lightsaber duel of any Star Wars movie ever. The best. Battle of the Fates? The best. Secondly, anyone who says Hayden Christensen's performance is bad, if you're talking about the second movie, yeah, okay, it was a shitty script. Not really Hayden Christensen's fault. Nothing you can do about it. When you're fed the line, I don't like sand... What are you supposed to do? It's gritty. But it's it's gritty gritty. and gets everywhere. But the third movie, like, his facial expressions are insanely good. And you have to remember, he's playing the character of an emotionally distraught, like, teenager, pretty much, who doesn't know which side to choose. I, I think he plays the role really well, but... The biggest part of this movie for me is the final scene. After the Battle of the Fates, when Obi-Wan has chopped off Anakin's legs and looks down at him and he goes, You were the chosen one! It was said that you would destroy the Sith, not join them! And goes in on his on his big speech there. Not only have I memorized that entire speech, but it is one of the best moments in cinematic history, in my opinion. The music is perfect. The emotion is great. Ewan McGregor is 
fucking incredible at delivering those lines. And the the turn in that movie from Anakin being just a troubled Jedi Knight to evil Sith is one of the best transformations in a movie that I've ever seen. So say what you want. I get the first one had Jar Jar. I still think it was good. I get the second one was Doo-Doo, even though Sir Christopher Lee was amazing as Count Dooku. But the third one is an objectively good movie. I would even say an objectively great movie. I think the CGI holds up pretty good. I think the lightsaber duels hold up phenomenally, especially compared to the doo-doo dog shit that was in the new movies. And I consider it, apart from Rogue One, which is also phenomenal, the last great Star Wars movie. Because all three of the new ones sucked, and if you think otherwise, go fuck yourself. I think they had some... Points that weren't awful, but uh, you know, I also grew Meh. up in the in. The, so here's the thing, right? When episode one, two, and three came out, which was like ninety nine, two thousand and one, and two thousand and four, I think. Um, I think the last one was two thousand three, but that's just me nitpicking. Okay, I I don't remember. I do remember begging my mom to go see episode three in theaters. I wanted a start or I wanted a lightsaber. I wanted all of the Lego sets. I wanted to be a cool kid who went to go see Star Wars because a lot of our parents went to go see Star Wars in theaters in the 70s and 80s. And now it was back and it was cool again. And I don't think I mean, like, yes, I do think there was hate for the prequel trilogy when it came out from like diehard fans. But the general consensus was just yeah, these are good movies. I can just, like, play this for my son. You know, it's like the movies I saw when I was a kid. This is crazy. And now, because of internet culture and meme culture, it's prequels bad, Bert. It has Jar Jar Binks and whiny Anakin. I don't like it. <laughs> right? But, like, okay. Do I think that George Lucas is a bit of a sellout? Yes, I do. Yes. I, <laughs> he is a very money-hungry man. But I don't think that... I don't think that that changes the fact that the prequel trilogy were still just trying to show you a more empathetic side to Anakin and really show you the stunted growth of how the Jedi treats, you know, uh, trainees or like Padawans. Um, you really see, and this is how I interpret it anyway, maybe this isn't everyone, but you, to me, you see Hayden Christensen play a teenager who's not allowed to show emotions at the rawest and most vulnerable point of his life. And that's what makes yeah. it so painful and stunting is that absolutely you don't know how he's going to turn out. You like, you know, he's going to turn to Darth Vader, but you don't know how he's going to get there. And a lot of it comes from the suppression that he had to deal with through being a Jedi through being told here's, that he was important. Here's my thing going off that with episode three, uh, specifically that I think people should be able to agree with if you saw rogue one which i will admit probably a better movie um but if you saw rogue one we all knew if you're a diehard star wars fan you knew what was coming at the end of rogue one everyone was gonna die you knew that but you still watched the movie and you still cared and it still hurt like a bitch when it happened. Likewise with episode three. 
we knew from the beginning that Anakin was turning into Darth Vader. Like, that's a given. But to see how he transforms into Darth Vader is what makes it so painful. Like, there's a reason Obi-Wan said, You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. And it's because he went from this good-hearted kid who just wanted to be near Padme and become a Jedi to keep people from having to live the life he lived to being manipulated by love and by the fact that he couldn't show emotion and to becoming the exact opposite of what he sought. And if you can't find at least a bit of appreciation for that tragedy, then what the fuck are you watching movies for, you dumb bitch? <laughs> Like, summary, if you don't like episode three of Star Wars after rewatching it and hearing all the points that we've just made, you're either stupid or you're dumb or both. Or you've uh, chosen the you. hill that you want to die on and it's yeah. the wrong or hill. Yeah, or you're like, or you're one of those 35 to like 50 year old men who, despite the fact that you secretly love Ariana Grande and how she sounds, says you hate her music because you can't let yourself enjoy things. And you do the same thing with movies, where you'll watch this, you'll go, that was a good movie, but whoa, 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 I can't let my pride go down by admitting to my 25-year-old son who's been telling me that this movie is good, that this is a good movie, so this is a bad movie. If you're still like that, I feel bad for you. Go see a therapist. This movie's going on the top shelf. Absolutely. Here's my thing with with the prequels. I love the prequels. That might be nostalgia. But I still, I love each of the prequels. The thing is, the CGI, and I know you says it holds up, Kellen, but I would have to disagree on some point, at some points. Any of I mean, c- my argument was mostly that the CGI holds up specifically in the third movie. But I will okay. say, if you go back and watch The Phantom Menace... Jesus Christ, Jar Jar Binks looks like shit. (laughs) Yeah, here's the thing. Because, like, even though I love those movies, it's the CGI and how there's, like, all these cringe scenes that I like to call them. And that's kind of leaving a bad taste on my mouth. And that goes through... That that goes for each of the prequels. And a lot of that comes from the the use of CGI. Um, For me, when if we're talking about the, the Revenge of the Sith... For me, that bad taste in my mouth is that scene where um, there's these two droids, and they look for and they're trying to find R two D two because uh, Aunt, or Obi Wan Kenobi is trying to get R two to uh, what was it raise an elevator or something or open a door, and these two droids are looking for R two, and when they finally find him, the way R two fights them off is basically. Three Stooges kind of drops oil and then they kind of like flop around like cartoon characters while, they f- while they're on the oil. And that's the only parts that leave bad taste in my mouth. Like the whole, um, every scene with General Grievous, the CGI is done well. It doesn't feel cartoony. But it's just those few scenes that don't, f- they, they feel out of place with right with real actors and that's the only parts yeah. that that's the only parts that uh, that get me i still love the prequels revenge of the sith easy top shelf for star wars and i do agree before rogue one the last best star wars movie hey it's the discount bin after hours here's an outtake that didn't make it onto this week's podcast 
All right, so in the news before we end, uh, I know earlier today we were chatting about uh, the Suicide Squad, the new one. And we were arguing about the character design of King Shark. So, <laughs> all right, so... Yes, we were. Now, now, okay, so this doesn't have to do with the character design of King Shark. It should. But who is actually going to voice King Shark? All right. Now, now you're ready. I'm going to hate this. This is brand new. This is brand new news. So the act, the voice actor for King Shark in the Suicide Squad movie, Sylvester Stallone. What? Yeah, I'm not Stop. kidding. I'm not kidding. Sylvester Stallone is going to be King Shark. How much money do they have to pay him? I don't know if I love that or if I hate that. I hate that. Oh, my God. Oh, like I, I love me some Sly Stallone, baby. I gotta admit, I love me some Sly Stallone. Um, but oh, <laughs> like I can't help but laugh because I feel like Sylvester Stallone stopped being a decent actor like twenty years ago. So to hear that he's gonna be a voice actor for something is kind of scary. I know, but big shark guy, am I right? He looks <laughs> awful. Look, this. He oh my god, we were talking about this tomorrow. Ugh. He looks so bad. I want your opinion because I think this is the ugliest CGI. It's not possible that, that they could have used. How like I said earlier, how are these supposed to weld into reality or into CGI this <laughs> case? A humanoid body with a shark head. And I know you're pretty... I have literally sent photos yeah, I know, of the video of the game Arkham Knight shark king like he looks so much better honestly use the shitty model from the flash tv show that looks Bro, no. here's what's gonna happen here's what's gonna happen i can tell you this right now because they're using sylvester stallone as the voice and because he looks the way he looks they are going to use his name's king shark right i think so they're gonna use king shark as the the dumb villain on the bad guy side that kids are going to want toys of because he's kind of cute for like a villain He's buff, so boys are going to be like, yeah, big, strong shark man. And he's voiced by Sylvester Stallone, which tells me they're probably not going for an overly serious character. So I feel like this is the supervillain that they're going to be selling after this movie as an action figure the most. Because all the kids are going to go, big, scary Sylvester Stallone shark boy. I hate that. I don't know. I, I still agree with Tanner. I really don't think that the uh, design of him was all that bad, all things considered. They just could have done such a better job. I, I mean, it is Suicide Squad. <laughs> like It's almost like this could have gone without being made, and just having James Gunn direct your movie doesn't mean that you're going to have a good movie. Just stop is making this the these second, movies. Is this the second or the third because, like, I'm not I know it's the second Suicide Squad, but didn't they do a Harley only movie that people thought was okay? Yeah, the really shitty title one. Uh, Harley Quinn and the Fantabulous Emancipations or something. Yeah, so who knows? I, I, I don't have high hopes for this film. I never had high hopes for any of the fucking uh, Suicide Squad movies. I, I, like, as soon as I saw Jared Leto as the Joker. I knew they were going to be bad. Um, I'll straight up admit, I don't remember the last 
Like I didn't see the last Suicide Squad movie with starring Harley. I just oh, heard that it was pretty good. It's called Birds I of Prey. I won't hold my. Bro- I absolutely knew that. Yeah, I, I so I won't hold my breath on this one. But I think Sylvester Stallone as the voice is absolutely hilarious. And yeah, on that note, thank you guys so much for joining us for this first episode of the Discount Bin and for this first segment of the Discount Bin After Hours. What do you think of the movies we brought up today? Are they top shelf? Are they going straight to the garbage chute? Let us know. We have Instagram at Discount Bin Media or follow us on Twitter at the underscore Discount Bin. Let us know what you think. And as always, don't forget to rewind the tapes when you're done. See you next time.